You're listening to The Word of Hope, a radio ministry of Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear saints, today in the Gospel lesson, we see our Lord Jesus Christ being put to the test. And indeed, it is something that we are quite used to, I think, because our culture, our world, encourage us to test Jesus, to ask questions of him to see if he's really worthy of our fear, love, and our trust, if he is really who he claims to be. Our culture wants us to develop within our own hearts sort of a spirit of mistrust, of skepticism. And so it's not surprising when we see the Pharisees do this, because we're used to doing it ourselves. But here's the amazing thing, truly, that Jesus leaves himself in plain sight. He is in the temple, preaching, teaching, with authority. The Pharisees come to test him, and more than that, at first they come to make him stumble, but they can't make him do it. Now, does Jesus say, well, I'm not going to stand here and take this? No, he remains. He takes the testing. He takes the questions. And here's the amazing part. He puts everybody else to shame. Because it turns out that our Lord Jesus Christ wants to be tested. He wants to be proven, to be your Messiah, to be your Lord. And even though he may not submit to the same sorts of tests that we think that he should live up to, he teaches us the right questions to ask. And he teaches us the right kind of test that he wants to be known by. And so this morning we meditate on how Jesus desires to be known and tested according to the promises of the gospel, according to that which was said about him through the mouth of the prophets. Now, it's really interesting that there are two other questions that come before the question that the Pharisees bring to Jesus in the Gospel lesson. Uh, The very first one was a malicious attack by the Pharisees. Their goal was to make Jesus stumble, to trip, to shame him, so that the crowds would cease to be enamored with him, and that they would turn on Jesus, and they would have their opportunity to lay hands on him, to seize him. And so they asked Jesus a question about Caesar and taxes, thinking thinking to themselves, you know what, I bet if anybody really figures out what Jesus believes about the government and about paying taxes, he's not going to be anybody's friend. And let's be honest, it's it's a pretty good tack to take if you're going to attack someone, because, you know, you, you potentially can like anybody that's out there, and then you get into a discussion about politics and taxes, and pretty soon you're like, yeah, you're not my friend anymore. But Jesus, in in the end, shames the Pharisees. He does not blaspheme God, nor does he dishonor Caesar. Instead, he holds them both up by saying, Render unto God what is God, and render unto Caesar what is Caesar's. And the Pharisees, with their tail between their legs, wander away. Now, the Sadducees say, well... The Pharisees over there thought they had a good tactic. Well, we have a better one. It turns out that Jesus is so old-fashioned that he actually believes in such a thing as the bodily resurrection. Now, our foolish friends, the Pharisees, may believe that, but, you know, they're the crazy fundamentalist types. We're going to prove to the crowd that Jesus isn't progressive enough in his thinking. And so they come to ask Jesus a question about the resurrection. But in the end, Jesus proves that they are the ones who neither know the Scriptures nor the power of God. 
Now in our text, it says that the Pharisees heard about this. How Jesus had shamed uh, their enemies, the, the Sadducees. And so now it seems as if the Pharisees, for the very first time, are looking at Jesus in a different light. They're looking at Jesus instead of, you know, thinking to themselves, this is a guy that we need to tear down because he's dangerous to us. Uh, now they're thinking to themselves, what if, what if the crowds are right? What if this man is truly from God, a great prophet, or dare we even say the Messiah? Maybe there is a reason why the crowds were shouting to him, Hosanna to the Son of David, as he came in a few days ago on Palm Sunday. And so now they come to test Jesus to see, well, if he truly is who he claims to be, if he is the Christ, then he must know the first and the best and the greatest thing that God has given to us, the law. If he understands the law, then it just might be that Jesus is who he claims to be. And so they ask, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law. Now, like I said before, Jesus doesn't shrink away from their question. He doesn't say to them, no, I refuse to be tested by you because I know you're just trying to tear me down. Instead, Jesus, Jesus answers them. And he wants to answer them. And he proves himself by saying, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Now, you can almost see in the Pharisees' faces astonishment that here is this man that we have been thinking thinking to ourselves, this is our enemy, this is a man we've been trying to tear down, this is someone who doesn't deserve our honor, let's see how the crowds are going after him, and yet he answers the test perfectly. He gets the law. Now, this is probably one of the strangest things for a pastor in the Holy Christian Church to sort of think about, and it's this, that here at this point, Jesus has shown himself to the Pharisee, to the Pharisees as the Pharisee's Pharisee, a great understander and teacher and doer of the law. And to tell you the truth, I, I really wish, <laughs> the Pharisees get such a bad rap But I really wish that today's world and culture, and even we ourselves, understood the law as well as the Pharisees, and as well as Jesus. Because instead of meditating on these two commandments, day and night, as the Pharisees did, we come up with our own first two and greatest commandments. The first one is, you shall love yourself above all things. And the second one is like it. Uh, Love your neighbor insofar as it is convenient for yourself. And uh, I, I really wish that, that instead of meditating upon the, uh, our own needs and our own happiness, uh, instead of demanding that God justify himself to us according to these two commandments, that we would instead submit ourselves under God's law and be instructed by it and be taught by it. But there is a danger that comes from this uh, when the church realizes that they are put into the awkward position of becoming teachers of the law. Really, this job belongs to parents and to the government. You know, that's why they bear the sword. But now we have to tell people, when they're sinners, 
when they should feel ashamed and guilty for breaking the commandments. And then we fall into the great temptation as as that of the Pharisees, and that is to look at God's Word, to look at the Bible in terms of the law. That the law is the highest and the greatest thing that we have to offer to the people. But Jesus won't let this happen. Even though he appears to the Pharisees at that moment as their best friend, he says, but I will not let you see me as your friend according to the law. I am better at the law than all of you combined, and yet I refuse to be defined by it. And so Jesus, now with the captive audience, puts the question to the Pharisees. This is what he says. What do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? They said to him, the son of David. He said to them, How is it then that David in the Spirit calls him Lord, saying, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. If then David calls him Lord, how is he his son? And with these opening words of Psalm 110, The Pharisees who saw themselves as the experts in the Holy Scriptures, as the experts in the law, as the ones who really got what God was trying to tell the world, find themselves silenced, unable to say one thing in response. And Jesus says, that which you do not understand in the Holy Scriptures, this right here, this is how I want to be known. It is according to these prophetic words of David that you can't even piece together. And thanks be to God, because here within these words of David are the heart and the center of our Christian faith. The highest and most sublime doctrines of the Holy Christian faith are contained right here. And they were right under the Pharisees' noses the whole time. See what, do you see what's going on there? So, that the Lord said to my Lord, Jesus says that you say that the Messiah is, Jesus, is David's own son that he is David's flesh and blood, that he is a human being, and yet to this human being is given the title of Lord. And more than that, to this one is given the honor and the dignity of sitting at the Father's right hand, of sitting uh, sitting at Yahweh's right hand. That is that you are given through the words of David, a picture of the conversation between the Father and the Son from before the foundation of the world. Here we have the Holy Trinity, the conversation between God the Father and God the Son. And in fact, it's all over the Old Testament, and the Pharisees could never see it. And so you say to yourselves, well, there are two people talking, one Lord speaking to another. Where's the Holy Ghost? Well, Jesus gives you that answer as well. Because David, in the Holy Spirit, makes known to us the conversation between the Father and the Son. And then there's the incarnation, the very fact that David's own flesh and blood is now called God. (laughs) That he is called God. No, I mean, no human being would ever claim to ascribe to himself the honor and the dignity of immortal and invisible God, and yet here it is. And the Pharisees don't see it. And then, and then Jesus says one more thing by quoting David. The reason for this, that we know about the conversation between the Father and the Son, the reason behind 
uh, uh, the, the incarnation, why God the Son took on our human flesh, wasn't to become some sort of theological oddity, something that we are to, to contemplate in, in its mystery and wonder, but rather it was done for a purpose, to put enemies under the feet of the Son. This is how Jesus wants to be known. As God the Son, as the God the Son who wants, who takes on your human flesh, and as God the Son who takes on your human flesh to defeat your enemies, the devil, your sin, and death itself. These are the last words that Jesus has to preach publicly before his passion, before his suffering and his death. And it's fitting that he leaves us with these words. Because it shows us that when Jesus opens his mouth, when he points to himself in the Holy Scriptures in the Old Testament, to the words of the prophets, it silences what? The law and its accusation. Because even though the Pharisees were able to convince themselves that they could attain righteousness according to the law, you know better. You know that when you see yourself and your life in light of the Ten Commandments, you are a sinner. That you must despair. But Jesus says there is more to the Holy Scriptures than the law. There are the promises. There are the promises of what I would come to do. And so with these last words of Jesus, the focus of the crowds and of the Pharisees are taken finally off of themselves, and they are placed upon Jesus, who gives himself over to betrayal, to arrest, to crucifixion, to death, and then finally to resurrection and ascension to the Father's right hand, where he has at this very moment, placed his enemies and our enemies under his footstool. Thanks be to God. Amen. May the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen. We hope you were blessed by today's Word of Hope. Hope Lutheran Church is located at 1345 Macon Street in Aurora, Colorado. Their weekly schedule is as follows. Sunday morning worship at 915, adult Bible class and youth Sunday school at 1045 a.m. On Tuesday mornings, there is a matin service at 830 a.m. with a Bible class to follow at 930 a.m. You can find out more about Hope Lutheran Church at www.hope-aurora.org. That's www.hope-aurora.org. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you in His grace.
Street.